Hi everyone, I'm Karina Givargas of the founder of Mission Magazine, the first fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. And our tagline is for fashion, for beauty, for good. That's for any new listeners that are tuning into these podcasts. We're bringing our next Mission podcast, which is hosted by myself and Charlene Spateri, the singer-songwriter of the band Texas. She missed out on the last one, sadly, but she's back with us, thank goodness. And God, I miss her. <laughs> As the whole world is now pretty much in lockdown, we thought we'd try and make these podcasts every week. I have to say it's a great distraction for me in light of this surreal passage of time we're all experiencing. It's really just quite devastating what's happening in the world right now. So this podcast is quite candid and fun for those reasons, and also because this person's incredibly cool and besties with Charlene, so there's quite a lot of laughter and honesty throughout this podcast. Charlene mentioned this designer to me ages ago, and I must admit, I am obsessively checking her website on a regular basis and putting things in the cart and then walking away, because it is just really, really cool. And I want to introduce you to Nick Wakeman of Studio Nicholson. We natter on about many things, from the smell of old lipsticks we remember from our grandmothers or our mothers, to her unorthodox way she designs her collections, to also her early start in her career. So please keep safe, and I hope you find this a refreshing distraction, because I did. It's so nice to meet you. Oh my god! I'm, I, we start. Charlene and I started the conversation a few minutes ago. Just going, I'm obsessed, Charlene. I'm obsessed since you since you introduced me to her work. It's just, it's fantastic. It's so so cool, Nick. I've oh, just thank you, Karina. Well, as Charlene will tell you, I'm an absolute idiot, really, underneath it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's all a ruse. Oh, I can relate to that personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always think that it's all a ruse from a bye 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 from the point i can't help myself oh it must be a ruse i don't think yeah how are you good very very good very good considering everything mm. but just i'm really excited to speak to you honestly I, I, I'm, I'm i'm such a massive fan and I, i'm so intrigued like I, i'm just looking at your trajectory and your past and you went to chelsea school of art i went to chelsea school of art i didn't know what i was doing down in Huggan road near wandsworth bridge Okay, so Chelsea famously moved around and had so many sites that no one knew what they were doing. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I was actually, I bet I was based in um, Shepherd's Bush off the Goldhawk Road, which was one of the most miserable sites ever. Yeah, mine was pretty crappy too. God, I didn't even know they had one there. Exactly, no one did. No one knew about us. We were famously sculptors and um, drawers of rovers. <laughs> So the textile department was there and we did knitting, we did printing and we did weaving. And uh, quite honestly, it was one of the most misguided choices I've probably ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Why? Why? Yeah, because I love fabric. Grew up with mum cutting up bits and pieces and I was actually designing clothes for mum by the time I think I was about seven. Wow. So, you know, I would pick out, go with mum to the pattern shop, we'd pick out patterns, we'd pick out fabric, and we'd sew together. I think when I applied for Chelsea, I applied obviously to lots of schools, but when I applied to Chelsea, it was another ruse of textiles. But actually, the department was so carefully linked with the Chelsea Flower Show that they expected us to draw and paint flowers all day long. Oh, my God. And um, uh, knitting was not for me. I knitted myself into the machine. And weaving also was not for me, um, but sewing and uh, textiles were, and I loved fabric. And I kind of found myself in print, which was um, something that I'd never really kind of been that interested in, but got very into it whilst I was there. So I was always covered in pink and all the rest of it. But, you know, back in the day, 1991 or whatever it was, there were no computers. There was there was absolutely nothing. It was just pens and pens and paper. So yeah, um, kind of got through it <laughs> through the of my teeth. <laughs> and and how, where did it? How did you go into go into menswear then from that? So when I left uh, Chelsea, I had a very lovely boyfriend who was uh, German, 
from Munich and his father was really good friends with Renzo Rosso from Diesel and uh, back in the 90s it was I think more so than now it was about who you knew and not what you knew <laughs> and Rafi's dad said oh you know you should go and work for Diesel and he gave Renzo a call and that's how I got the job and I worked on and it was, you know, really early days for Diesel. It was kind of cool and no one was really making denim like they did. Got shoved on to um, doing graphics for, I think it was, what was the, there was like a little tiny part of Diesel called, I don't know, something like DS59 or something like that. It was quite sporty and fun. And anyway, and I lasted about four months in that department and then they moved me on to, um, they moved me on to, uh, technical drawing of clothing and I'd never studied fashion and fashion was never really my thing other than you know I liked clothes and but I love fabric more and I got into be a I learned how to design clothes on a computer in Italian wow yeah it's kind of odd and then spent two and a half years doing that um I had the cushiest job ever I mean, never, this would never happen now where I spent three weeks in Italy and then one week back in London in my flat researching. But of course, I was just raving. <laughs> <laughs> she does make a party. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's where your love of denim came? Because I noticed that uh, you, um, you love Japanese denim. Do you think the diesel start of diesel was where you kind of really got into denim? Yeah, I mean, I think for about 20 years, I been a massive fan of jeans and you know Charles attained to this but you know there we were in our Levi's reds and you know those things in the 90s and I do I do really love denim but I particularly love Japanese fabrics and we'll get onto that later no doubt but um yeah denim is denim is a very it's a very special thing it can be either really terrible or really beautiful and I think the simplicity of denim should never be messed around with personally but <clears throat> we'll get onto whiskering and uh, washes later <laughs> oh, I like that I mean the thing is is I know I mean Nick that you know would you whack your mum uh, that you know that whole as you know I sort of grew up pretty much the same my mum you know, just in a window dresser and you would buy those patterns but the whole idea of going into a fabric shop and those big bales of mm -hmm. fabric is literally like been in a sweet shop and like oh like it really is you no know, and I love that you're so I mean the thing is is though I love that you're passionate about like stuff in a collection like um you know like a collection of fabric a collection of buttons a collection of plates a collection of that you have that aesthetic within you and I really think that that comes out in your collections is that that there, there's it doesn't shoot off in all directions it's it's like a a proper collection of so as that the whole wardrobe can change and interchange from season to season you know not you don't go like this this season's going to be adamant and the next season yeah. going to be bloody you know brian ferry it's like it's kind of collecting intertwined yeah i mean i think it really i mean we say you know it's a modular wardrobe um and we're actually in the process of trademarking that at the moment but the wardrobe for me is about even a garment can be modular you know I want the wearer to play with the garment as much as possible so you know your sleeves are meant to be turned up or your cuff is extended so you can play around with how you want it you know buttons are in certain places so you can fiddle around with the garment and and really use the fabric in your own personal way which I think is so important it engages your customer so much but in terms of collections and being obsessive about things really strangely and I think Shah you and I have spoken about this mum had this amazing button pin and I think you have a button tin, but I the do. button pin massive button tin <laughs> my mum you don't my mum has one too that's yeah similar. you know and the button mm. came from all over you know some of them were passed down through generations some were sent to my uncle who was in the textile industry in Hong Kong and he would send over specific buttons for mum then to put on my dungas that you know we've made together and, and stuff like that so you know those kind of like collections of certain materials are so important and I think the thing that I've realized over the last 
sort of few years where I've sort of grown into myself much more than I ever did is that all of that knowledge and all of those kind of um uh what do you call it it's a it's a, a record of all the things that I've ever used and come across and experienced it's a catalogue of of stuff that just gets churned over and churned over in my head it's a terrible life really <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why I'm still alive that I've been brain is not I'm surprised you're still alive because you're a sniffer you're always sniffing blooming the smells of fabric oh my God, I do that. Uh, you know I'm just like in the smell of paper I know she likes the smell of paper <laughs> Out of magazines, Karina. Yes, yes, I love this. I do that. Brand new magazine, I smell it. First, always. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. But that's made me think of, I loved reading that you don't do mood boards. And it's almost like you, in your head is your mood board. Yeah. And it's like you're, and I think that's why you're so different and unique with your collections and your style of, is that you do everything kind of in an orthodox roundabout way that's not the generic norm of designers, yeah. um, which forgive me saying this to all these designers it is copied is look the same can be kind of very similar looking and but yours is such so stand apart I think that probably is from the process that you do you do the mood board last which yeah, I probably we, we tend to um so always start with fabric it begins and ends with fabric um we look at fabric we see what we want to do with it and obviously we have you know it's it's turning into quite a corporate business in terms of we've got you know, sales teams breathing down our neck and saying, you need more dresses, you need more this, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't interfere with that process. And we look at fabric and then we start draping, which, you know, lots of companies our sort of size of companies don't, don't get involved in that. They'll be looking at it as range plans and all the rest of it. We, we get the fabric out and we look at it and then we start the process. And I'm a true modernist. So in terms of styling and all the rest of it, I don't want to look at other people's stuff. Yes. Right. 30 years ago, I don't want to look at pockets or, you know, all the rest of it. It's like, it came from the very beginning, which was 10 years ago. And we we look at pockets and pattern pieces and we try to refit them, remodel them, reuse them in different ways so that the narrative within each garment um, you know, if it's a bellows pocket, what are we going to do to it? Can we pinch it out and do this with it and, and not have any reference for that um, whilst we're in that process? Um, I think that also goes to your quote I read recently, is that you don't ever want to look like anyone. You just want to look like you. Yeah, I never which I love that because I'm the same. Like, why do yeah. I want to... I don't reference when we do mission at every issue. We don't look at magazines. I don't... Because I don't, it comes from the heart, it comes from my head. It has to come, um, yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's my heart and my taste and my 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 aesthetics and my my visions for it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's trickier now because I have a team of designers that I need to keep vomiting over to, to make sure <laughs> that, that happens. Um, I, have a, I have a meeting this afternoon. But, you know, I think going back to the way the process happens we have core fabrics and there's specific things that I think I call them the JNDs for customers which are just noticeable differences but a lot of our fabrics are really powdery and matte oh yes that's a good description of them it's yeah it's good and they're very compact and they're quite noisy and things like that so those are our kind of key kind of markers within the collection it's like have we got the noisy fabric have we got the the powdery have we got soft have we got a little bit of shine somewhere you know what are the things are our buttons rubberized you know it's all very thick and tactile yeah because I, I definitely noticed that when you know whenever I mean as, as you know I have quite a bit of studio next to um, um yeah just a wee bit but it is it, it when you put it on it is about that feel in it it's like oh yeah like it, it puts you in a certain mood a certain feel you feel a certain mm. way to put it on I mean mm. the thing is as well Nick and I really noticed that you know like when you were talking about like there's not a mood board I mean you and I have spoke as well about you know not having a mood board and not having a reference like for me I for whenever I write a song it's like I've got a jukebox in my head of 53 years of music that I've listened to and grown up with and heard and it's 
Yeah. And what it is, is sometimes something will come in. If I guess maybe, I don't know if you feel that you've got that. Like you'll feel a fabric or see a fabric and something comes into your head because you are so, you love life. I always feel you love it and you notice a lot of things, whether it's us making a stupid comment about who coat is that jacket or <laughs> walking down the stairs in a chef's jacket or something. And you notice stuff and you take it in and it's like within your little closet of, I guess that brain mood board that you have. For you, there'd be sound bites. <laughs> the little snapshots. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, Karina, you're very visual. I'm sure they're little snapshots for you, aren't they? Or yes, I mean, I, I work. What you were just saying, I'm completely how I work, completely unorthodox. Didn't know how to do any of this and just winged it. Still winging it and and just figure it out as I go along. Uh, you, you're amazing. At, you know, the thing is, is you're amazing, Karina, at putting stuff together. You know, like, you, you kind of, you have that bravery and that sort of punk attitude of, well, of course I can do it. I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure out how I'm going to do it. And Nick, you're the exact same. It's like, I'll give it a shot, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm up for making mistakes. I think that's where we learn. Yes, exactly. And that's why I'm always, you know, and I, I it, it's a... Uh, it's a thing of the youth making mistakes where they, they feel absolutely terrible. You know, I've got a lot of young people working for me where, you know, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And it's like, they go into this kind of uh, self-flagellation and like there's kind of like all this kowtowing and oh God, I, you know, and I'm just like, dude, brilliant. Let's go with that, you know. It's about being free. And I think I'm an eternal optimist. And I do want that that freedom in life to be able to go, oh, you know what? That didn't work out. So I well. totally agree with you. But that's the only way you can grow. If you acknowledge it's. I always think now nothing's a mistake. It's a learning. Exactly. And you can just, you can only grow from that. I mean, how many mistakes have we made? And we've said it's a design detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There was supposed to be only two buttons on that. It's so the wearer can feel a little bit more air under their wings, you know, just whatever it is. It's like, you know, but then actually we'll go ahead and make that again because it worked. Yeah. <laughs> People loved it. Yeah, no, I, I totally guess it's, it's great to be a little bit scared in life sometimes. Yeah, I'm a risk taker. Yes, yes. I think we all are. Actually, I yeah. think the three of us are very, very similar. Yeah, in, in our characters. And I, I, I noticed, I read as well that you. I'm also a massive fan of Santa Maria Novella. Uh -huh. The three of us are. All yeah, so on that. I've run out. Obsessed with that. I've run out this morning. I'm like, I'm gutted. I'm in it this morning. <laughs> Just squirted my last little bit. I think. I need to get oh gosh. Story of our lives. Yes, I'm a massive fan. Um, I, I struggle to put my finger on what I love about it, but I think ultimately it's uh nostalgic yeah definitely i think that as well because that is i mean i always think that you um and, and i know karina as well like, tradition is really like tradition and old school values and certain things and there's a respect and a, and a, and a love and a passion to it well there's a real authenticity with their brand i mean you know we think you never know because they're quite quiet let's face it yeah. Are there any monks left? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the store in Florence? It's yeah, beautiful. I love that store. I love that store. The one in Milan is so disappointing. Mm. The one in Florence is so, so beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. If you can avoid the tourists and go super early, it is, it's quite a sight, isn't it? Yes, it's incredible. That's And also your attention to detail and, and touching and feeling of fabrics I love as well that in an interview you said about your grandmother, the smell of your Estee Lauder lipstick. Oh, wow. That gave such a visual in my head of my mother wouldn't wear lipsticks, but we had an auntie, a great aunt, who would bring us makeup. Um, and I would, it would always be that, it reminds me now of Mad Men, like the smell of the lipstick that you don't get anymore. It's such an old fashioned, and so it gave me a real memory jolt when I read that about you. Estee Lauder's smell was really strong. It was such a distinctive smell. I remember my gran wearing it and the smell as well. I remember that smell. You know, I know why. Because it was made with whale oil. Oh. Which obviously oh. smelled gross. So there was this huge load of perfume put into it, which I can only sort of describe as 
violet-like, I think. Mm. That's what it reminds me of, if you remember Palmer Violet. Palmer Violet and my, my Nana's uh, lipstick was kind of one in the same thing, really. Yeah, it's a bit like floral gums as well. It smelled a bit oh, like yeah. floral gums. I love a floral gum. I mean, that's all very Santa Maria novella. Yeah. Mm. It's all Again, it may be that powderiness. Because mm, yes. you know, even when you're talking about the fabrics and everything, powdery, 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 even though you're talking the punchy ones, the noisy ones, but powdery, and then you know, all those smells are quite powdery. Mm. They're also very um church-like, I think. Yeah, yes, definitely. So I spent a lot of time whilst I was doing my foundation degree in churches, um, scribbling in notebooks about my terrible childhood and all that sort of stuff. Catholic church in Cambridge, <laughs> my thing, and I would, you know, get my teen angst and listening to Tori Amos and scribbling and being, you know, emo and goth and all the rest of it. But I remember the smell of those churches. Big thing for me, that. Love it. I love smell of churches. I want to I wanna bring back to you, but just make me think about your collections and everything that you do. You don't do shows with your collections. What kind of timelines do you do you work towards, and and the mood and the seasons of what, how you launch and go, and like how much of the current like stars you transition into, say the next collection mm. for fall? Is there a lot of a transition over with with your styles? Yeah, so we've got um, a back catalogue of blocks which are ten years old, and we still use some of the very early blocks are still translated season upon season. So for women's wear, we we chuck out, uh, I say chuck out, we sweat <laughs> over and pour over and um, now deliver six seasons, six, no, uh, I just think one, two, yeah, it's four seasons a year on women's wear, two seasons mm. a year on our Japanese uh, collection and then two on men's. And then we're constantly delivering continuity. And continuity is where all those blocks come into play. So mm-hmm. we've got best-selling pants, best-selling shirts, best-selling knits that are always available for consumers and also our wholesale customers. Um, and they are, they're there because they really work. And we'll look at, you know, we've, we've also got digital pattern makers um, and machinery in the, in the studio where... And I'm loving this thing because we've only had it a year that I can get on Gerber and chuck out a print of um, a printed pattern piece and cut it out of a shirt that I did seven years ago. Wow. And, on it. Um, and it is it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and it's very modernist and very kind of technical, which I also really love. I, you know, I love tradition, but I also love the future and the way that we're creating now is is so different. Nick, is that how you did the is that how you did the heartbeat um fabric? Oh no. So that was um a really good friend of ours was not very well last year and um we were with her in hospital, weren't we, Char? Yeah. And that was um I took a photo of her ECG <laughs> and then <laughs> popped it on a shirt. <laughs> Um, very cool as well when you look at it, you're like wow what is that I mean it's not dissimilar to the to the recording process is it it's the, yeah, the exactly ups and downs of you know I don't know what that's called you guys will know more than me um but yeah no that's completely different that's that's a print but the machine that I was talking about Gerber is it prints out the pattern pieces oh okay 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 yeah so it's a huge thing and there's a plotter and you can kind of redo your pattern and put a new sleeve on it it's 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 really lovely um but yeah I mean the way that we're working is very modernist but yeah the archive of patterns is 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 really lovely I can't actually remember any of the names of anything anymore or style codes. Thank God, because I spent about five years remembering every single. It's really weird that somebody was. I saw someone last night on TV talking about they were there was a somebody was doing something with dinosaurs and someone walked up and they went, "Oh, that's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's a Raptor. That's a name and all." And he says it's really funny how you remember stuff from when you were young. Just mm. literally naming names. You remember all these mad, crazy names, and then you get to, you can't learn anything. You're suddenly yeah. like can't remember the name of that what is the name of that it's so 
strange how your memory for, for yeah I actually feel like I need to download some stuff so to free up a bit of space in my yeah, heart exactly. <laughs> yeah so you know the collections evolve um and I think that's that's something we're quite proud of and we feel it's quite a sort of authentic part to us is that it's kind of recognizable to the customer and I think that's what's going to survive and go forward in these quite sort of uncertain times and we're talking we're talking with our sort of heads off at the moment about the new world quite a lot I don't know if we want to get into that but the new world is coming I think yeah it's going to be very different I think and I think it's going to be very different in the sense that people will um, be um, you know judging um, like re, 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 rethinking about what their lives are going to be and how they want to live it as well yeah I really um, I think that people's choices are going to be much more informed and they want the story behind it the 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 businesses that are going to survive are the ones that can offer you thoughtful products and not not throwaway products yeah and quality i mean i did actually that was actually a question i had here for you nick is um like i mean and you know i know your collection really really well but i have found myself going into certain stores <laughs> and literally seeing your pan your mm. your shoe you know your shoe that you did mm. short, certain details with a cuff or a collar or a button a cutaway and and I mean, for me, I'm literally going... You're spitting feathers. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I'm like, how can it be that... How do... How does that happen? How can people get away with that? Because, I mean, it's it's downright blatant. Yeah. And, and, and quite extraordinary. I mean, obviously, I mean, I know they're not made to the quality or the fabric or anything, but, you know, for that detail... Because there'll be certain people that won't know about um studio nicholson or whatever and they don't you know find a bit on the high street when you walk into the high street and you see something you think oh my god that's amazing but really it's just your pan yeah walk yeah. That's on the high street i've never really been that annoyed about it i mean you know me right but... yeah no i know and that's why i wanted to ask a question about it I'm, I, I love that you're so relaxed about it but i literally go how is that possible i think that i feel sorry for them that they haven't got their own idea um, right. Half of me is like, oh, poor things. And the other <laughs> half of me is um, kind of thinking, well, great, I'm doing something right. If they if they think they can resell that idea to the masses, it'll never be my thing because it's not it's not made out of one of our factories in you know quality fabric and and the attention to detail isn't there, and yeah. it's not it hasn't got my back neck label in it. So right. I don't really, I don't, I don't know if I, I really care that much. No, but that, I think that's good because I like the fact that you like that, and and you know that was something that really I wanted to talk about because some people go absolutely bananas about it, and um, I, I kind of really loved your attitude when I asked you about it because to me it was so blatant, um, and and that was why I wanted, you know, I wanted people to hear that because I think, as you said, the world that we're going into. The yeah. world that we're they were about this new world that's coming um to us now is is kind of that kind of attitude and I guess that kind of feeling is going to be a, a probably take you a lot further in life and you'll have a longer happier life if you feel that way. Yeah, I think there's not really a lot. I've got a lot to be thankful for, and I think there's not a lot of room for being bitter about other people's sort of misfortune. Really, <laughs> that's yeah, that's good. No, that's good. Definitely a slight. Uh, a bit of a you know spike going on with how I'm saying but you know it is really more full them I think really you know because there are you know you can dream up your own ideas it's not that hard yeah exactly can I ask you about um the SNJP line how yeah. did that come about tell me oh so um SNJP is um a new collection that we launched last October and it's a capsule unisex collection, which is slightly more casual, a little easier to wear maybe than some of our pieces, not quite as polished. Um, but the, the 
the inspiration behind it was really the fact that I've such a love of Japan. I've been going there since 1999. And my first experience of Japan um, back in 1999 was that everything was a lovely shade of beige. No one spoke any English. And whilst I was coming from a very grimy 90s London, mm-hmm. um, everything in Japan was impeccable, well-ordered, clean. There was no litter on the street. And there was a sense of, again, tradition with a sense of real modernity. Right. Um, and I fell in love. Um, and I was involved in the sort of streetwear scene out there, was hanging out with various sort of, you know, cool dudes. And really looked at what people were wearing. And it was such a mind-blowing experience for me that they had all these different types of fabric, different silhouettes. Everything was very tonal, really well put together. And the place was super quiet. I mean, you guys have been to Tokyo. For me, I'm like, why is it so quiet? Because there's a lot going on. And it's a sense of peace and tranquility and order that I felt there really resonated with me. And then over the last 20 years, I've been obviously traveling there twice or three times a year doing business with them. And got to know a lot of fabric suppliers and lots of people in the industry. Um, and just wanted to, to express that love of how they dress, how they, what the culture is about. And, you know, all those sort of beautiful colours that are very quiet and very, um, uh, I don't know, just they're like no other color in the world in a way some is it brown is it gray is it is it navy i don't know what it is um and use some of the fabrics that i'd found along the way and the suppliers that i found along the way and make this capsule collection which was supposed to be reminiscent of that first time that i went there um which was you know quite youthful people in 1999 in Japan, whilst there was quite an aggressive street scene with the lights of Bathing Ape and all the rest of it, mm. it was also a very quiet streetwear culture where it was logoless and people were wearing these sort of like almost um, two-piece uniforms of grey and brown and, you know, and I met some very, very cool people back then. I mean, in particular, someone who became my, my business partner in Japan, a guy called, now wait for it, uh, Minami Magoe. Um, so Mago Mago was actually the buying director of Beans and became my business my my old brand and um, the the relationship we had and and the fact that he always had this sort of black page boy haircut big black glasses not only wore grey and black (laughs) Um, I mean he was quite a character and still is and he was in the Lost in Translation movie and you know the head um and like having had so much time with him and he sort of introduced me to lots of sort of subculture in in Tokyo at that time and I really wanted to pull all those references together and make this collection um which really has is it's really filled up my little soul making it actually um and it's kind of doing very well um and quite quietly doing quite well, which is is nice. And it's just about product, really. It's not really about anything other than, you know, um, particular types of fabric, which, you know, we use things like nylons, which have been shrunk in salt and uh, superwash corduras. And the denim is like supreme quality from the denim area in uh, Japan and then using an old Luke Wheeler factory to make our sweatshirts and you know so it's very authentic and very amazing um, pleasing to me and see when like a fabric is like shrunk washing like salt water whatever does does that change it changes the form of the fabric so is that you can like mold it in a certain way or how, how does that no, work it's not so much that but it's very crispy and um mm noisy and it gives a certain texture to the fabric so the fabric before it's got shrunk in salt um is very flat and then it gets a wrinkle in it which looks like the weave but it isn't it's just a technique 
and particularly with the knitwear that we've made in Japan, um, we were just talking about it, Charles, weren't we? Yeah. The, the water in Japan has such a soft element to it that you can wash wool in Japan and it feels like cashmere. Oh, wow. You know, there's just all this kind of like different processes and techniques to use on on clothing and fabric out there. I don't know. It's it's mind blowing. At some yeah, point, it's amazing that they're, they're not. I mean, it is quite extraordinary that I love that experimentation of not just being satisfied with what's in front of you or what you just got there. Take it further and further and further, which is yeah. kind of, I guess, really sums you up in what you spoke about, saying, "Well, we'll have that pocket, but then we'll change that. We'll keep that, yeah, play, and then we'll keep changing it, changing it, changing it." I love that idea of, you know, really. You know, I, I guess it's like it's like um, engineering, mm. constantly like retweaking it, retweaking it, retweaking it, and and you know from that comes great things and great ideas. Yeah, I mean, I'm a massive geek. I mean, I really should have been born a man. Yeah, me too. No, I, <laughs> quite frankly, I love machinery. I love cars. I love um, techniques. I'm you know I'm all into the internals of garments like blokes. I'm not interested in what's on the outside. I don't want any adornment. You know all those things are really and modernist and looking forward to the future. Oh. You know, without sounding too trekky, I am just like, what's next? You know, when yes. can I digitally print something and how sustainable can I be and all those sort of things? I think it's a really exciting time. I love how you said that because it's made me think of your collection overall. That it's when you were in Japan, there was it was a peacefulness and a quietness there. Yeah. I think that's that's your that to me. How when I look at your collection, that's what I get from that. That is peaceful and it's quite quiet, but also very strong. Karina, I love that because that is exactly what it's supposed to be. Yes, but I wouldn't have thought of that until you just said it. When I look at it, I thought, oh, it is actually quite peaceful. Yeah, it's really quiet. It's supposed to give you a sense of power, and it's not. We don't like shouting, you know, no, no. about anything. Yeah, it's interesting that. I was saying to Charlene that I love that, like I mentioned earlier, you don't do mood boards and you go through photo- photographs. And I noticed mm. on Instagram, you had a Herb Ritz um, oh. reference who I loved, just so strong and powerful, but very clean and simple. Mm. Um, I mean, and- the, the inspiration a lot of the time comes from really esoteric subcultures and characters i mean a massive one for me is colombo i mean how <laughs> oh my goodness colombo yeah how much we love colombo the colors and the the, the cinematography in a colombo mm. episode, episode is so insane and his his suit is that suit that lavenderness in the gray is insane oh, we've spoken about this a million times and wow. yeah, so good He's got his lunch all down it, but who cares? <laughs> you know, it's worn out. And that's also something that I see in Japan a lot, in, in the old people. And I, there's a there's a feature on our website, which is photographs um, that various and myself people uh, took of old guys in Japan where they've, they've had the same clothes for 50 years. Mm. They've taken such good care of them. And they've been laundered so professionally and so beautifully, and they're always really well presented. But the, the fabric is actually really threadbare and it's got a certain sheen to it, and the colours are faded and all that sort of stuff. And that's exactly what Colombo has in, in his hat <laughs> and his suit and his shirt, weird shade of green, because someone's put it in the wash with, you know, something else. Yeah, that shirt is it's like it's not green, it's not cream, it's not. You just go so many different tones in it. You just go and that's and just yeah. the way the collar looks like it's been rubbed and yeah, all kind that of stuff, you know. soft. It's it's just so cool. Yeah, I mean, I have clothes like that in my wardrobe. Andy know. has a great car. Uh, <laughs> I love his car. Car is another thing in itself, isn't it? I mean, yeah. like that. I mean, that's matte as hell. There's no shine on that car. Yeah. <laughs> Weird how the car matches his outfit. I know. Well, the whole thing is like in, insane, but also that is a, that's an era where everything was pretty muddy. You know, colours were not um, ridiculously bright. We had to wait for the eighties for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you ever wear any other brands? Like, do you admire? I know you said you admire Com and Yoji. Mm-hmm. But is there any other kind of designers that you you respect or admire that or that you wear? Um, I wear a bit of the Rogue. 
just because oh, yes. it's really well made, um, but not, you know, not massively. I tend to buy a lot of Japanese brands that not mm. puzzles. Um, when I go there, I, I sort of snap up house brands, like just from Jersey and stuff like that, because it's like no other it's like washable wool jerseys and things like that so you know um like today I'm wearing a pair of our trousers that really could stand up on their own right now I don't don't think I've taken them off for about a year (laughs) and then I'm wearing one of our customers own house brand which is a wool shirt which has got pockets all over the place and you know so yeah I tend to sort of wait and pick up stuff on my travels mm, mm. I'm really not interested in brands yeah well that's the excitement isn't it if you go somewhere and you discover a new store or, you, or the, and your favorite place that's under the radar has something in it yeah and I, I reminisce and I'm quite nostalgic about brands from the past um so for instance you know there's there were some brands in Tokyo that aren't there anymore in particular one of our customers has just closed their store last year and I loved that shop. It was like mm. like a haberdashery and there would be stacks yeah. and stacks of stuff in there and they haven't made it. But it's, yeah, it's really, that's kind of where I get my stuff from. But then, you know, the other stuff is is really boring and I'm, I'm, I'm such a creature of habit. And my wardrobe DNA is repeated and repeated and repeated. I have stacks of navy shirts, navy sweaters and black trousers um all my socks are the same brand and the same style it's like it's nuts and I'm well, there's lots of people like that obsessiveness about certain things when you find something that you really love you should oh know. I wouldn't know yeah you, 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 <laughs> no idea about that show wouldn't know about that stuff or oh, have five pairs of those trousers yeah. oh, I just bought 20 just in case yeah you never know when you might need them oh yeah it's for the tour <laughs> <laughs> But I, th- I read that about you uh, in an interview, you said, Nick, that men have like grey, navy, blah, 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 you know, and they just have their standard. They get up and they put that on, they dress. And that's something that you apply to Studio Nicholson, that it's, yeah, you have your set garments and it's you don't want to overthink it almost in a sense. I want to be able to get dressed in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> I literally want to be able to get up in the morning, reach for something that is relatively clean and put it I don't do any laundry myself so I'm really missing my dry cleaner right now anyway I digress but just reach for something that is going to work with something else and the 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 kind of ratio of that not working should be as small as possible (laughs) you know I don't want to be looking at oh my god the waistband's too high and the the this is you know all my shirts certain length or all my mm. wetters fall at a hip length and I know that the trousers fits in a certain place you know and all that stuff is and also much more important as we get older you know and our bodies very much and I totally agree with that as you get older it's like yeah. you know why are all shirts not made with three-quarter length sleeve thank you very much I let you go why why are people making longs so I'd need the sleeve to be there yeah it's really bad that you become so obsessed with it I'm like oh yeah, you know, there's there's certain checkboxes on, on stuff. And obviously that applies to the collection as well. It's like, no, why on earth would you be doing that to that? Well, I think when you get older, you know your style, don't you? You finally oh settle into, that's what I want to wear. That's my uniform. I've experimented yeah, in the 20s and 30s. look like a prat in most of those years. <laughs> but now. But that's also the thing that, like you said, Nick, earlier, which is so amazing, is like the certain details within the collections that you do that that you can customize the, the you know the, the garment to your own style even though someone's buying the exact same shirt you know you could see five people in that shirt and they make it look really different each person the way they button or that long cuff turned back or it's hanging down or whatever exactly everyone has their own stamp on it and I think it has to be accessible to everyone I mean we had a conversation the other day with marketing which is you know it's for everyone don't think that it's not for you because we only post it for small Japanese girls or you know it's not it isn't that it is for everyone and there's always something there for you and it has to be accessible have you got any I know you've got your the London store have you got any plans 
to expand more on. Um... Yeah, so we are looking to open a second store in London later on this year. Mm. Yay! Um, yeah, no, exciting. Maybe, exciting. Maybe a little bit delayed right now, but not much. And then the plan is to do retail in Japan. So it's all kind of in the works, but can't really say much more about it at the moment. Brilliant. I know. So basically 60% of our business is Asia between Japan, China and South Korea. South Korea, it sort of goes Japan, South Korea, then a little bit in China. And yeah, and without them, we wouldn't really be here. It's interesting that you've started in, like, your, your strongest support is in, in in Asia. Yeah, it always has been. I mean, mm. you know, I think it comes from having another brand and sort of being relatively well-known over there. And mm-hmm. my also my, you know, my obsession and love of Japan feeds back to them. And yes. without sort of selling Coles for Newcastle, it's more that, you know, I have an affinity with them. And their culture and some of the same principles that they hold dear are also the same for me. Um, so I think there's there's just a bit of a, a, a fan club, really. Well, it sounds like a mutual respect of you respect their culture. There you go. Yeah. And and vice versa. Oh, and they know that you yeah, what you produce is yeah is authentic, and what you do and your brand is authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not just jumping on to do something trendy that's going no. to be Japanese. It's it's done with love and and yeah, it's, yeah. You admire them, I guess, as a culture. I, I saw as well before. Just I want to. I know we've got to wrap it up probably soon. We could talk forever because I think you're so fascinating. But I I also saw that you um. I'm giggling here because I, I just really. <laughs> we could just talk forever. Let's go and make lunch at the same time when we're doing yeah. all this. But um, <laughs> I, I find it really interesting that you. That you said that we do observe from the neck down, we observe chemicals, and you're very conscious of what you you kind mm. of put on your skin and everything. Does that? I would imagine that then transitions into your fabric choice and the treatment of the fabrics yeah. and bringing in sustainability yeah. with all of this. Absolutely. I mean, we we are we're not a sustainability brand, and you know, I'm I'm very very clear on that. And I really, what really annoys me at the moment is brands dressing themselves up as sustainable brands that's not why they started it and that's not really necessarily true in some cases and we do have a lot of pressure from our retailers in terms of how sustainable are we Mm. and we have done uh, a lot of work on looking at every single aspect of the business from our packaging down to the fabric choices that we make and also our carbon footprint on keeping it local as much as possible. So, you know, if we're making shoes in Japan, do not bring them into the to the into Europe, into our warehouse and then send them out again. You know, we are in the process of the next five years, I think that is going to be one of our key missions in life to keep things local. So, you know, if we're making a lot of clothing in for Japan, we'll make it in Japan. Um, and we'll try and keep it as close to home as possible. Wow. And then in terms of fabric choices, we we do look to use natural fibres as, po- as much as possible. So, you know, sustainable fabrics for us are nylons and polyesters. They're man-made, but we look at the processes behind them. So, for instance, we use uh, two Italian mills who use recycled nylons. So all of our coats are actually from another mill which we use for recycled wool. So the wool is then treated, repressed, made into meltons and used for coats and that is recycled. The other mill we use is for our sort of more sporty elements of the collection. So the nylons and polyesters are also recycled and not washed and not treated in any ways, but are supremely modern and beautiful and polished. So we're looking at those sort of things. And then as much as possible, we like to use cotton out of certain countries. Our wool comes from certain sheep in Australia. It's got to be slightly ethical. You know, so we're, we're doing it in a way that's, working for us and at our own pace and then keeping our eye on every facet of the business we've just changed our packaging to a fully recyclable poly 
it's a fake polyurethane or something. I think it's made of spuds or something. I don't know. It's not my department that, but yeah. Yes. I'm aware of it. Yes, yes. So, you know, we're and also, you know, we're not we're not PRing it. We're just yeah. making sure that if someone asks us, we've got something to say and make sure that, you know, we're trying to do the right things. But I think in terms of sustainability, the biggest thing that I always speak about is our clothes last. Yes. So once you've bought it, wear it for life. Yeah. You're not going to return it or not wear it, keep it in a horrible plastic bag at the bottom of your wardrobe, um, and then buy something else the next week. Mm-hmm. You want to you love that thing forever. And that's really what sustainability is for me. Make So true. Make better choices in life. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think, gosh, I think we should stop, otherwise <laughs> my computer's going to run out of space. <laughs> sorry, is this, is this a really long one? It's br- yeah, but it's I'm I'm loving it. It's fantastic. I think it's so fascinating. For a while, girls. We could also do another one when we know that the store is launching. I think if we can help get your brand to as many people as possible, I'm up for that because it's just incredible. I love it so much, Karina. Brilliant. Well, Charlene put me onto that, and I, I've always loved her style. I've always. Style. Are you laughing? Um, yeah. What was that? <laughs> It's totally true. I remember when I when I was in Milan with you um, during the shows when I used to work at the Face, and you took me into, I think it was Helmut Lang's store, and you just went. I always buy, you know, I like the men's pants, and I like how they drape. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. a good idea. So, yeah, you've got a good eye, Shah. You've got a great eye, great yeah. style. Oh, I try my bitches. I try. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm going to end on that because we're going to end with the podcast with you saying that because I think that's brilliant. (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Nick Wakeman and it brought you some light relief, some entertainment and got to know about the brand. And we have another one coming. We're going to do these weekly now because we can. So our next guest coming up is someone quite remarkable that uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but um, she's based in Singapore and she does the most exquisite, amazing events with brands that are just mind-blowing. They're so extravagant, the attention to detail, but there's also a philanthropic twist to what she does as well and organizations that she works with that do therapy through horses and the arts in Singapore. So our next guest coming next week is going to be Olga Isilis. So stay tuned for that one, please. And have a really good day if you can and stay safe and focused on keeping your mind hopeful and happy. Okay, take care. All the best. Lots of love. Bye-bye now.